Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply After the lights go out on Talk Sport I'm Steve Harmison I've played in 63 tests 58 one day nationals for England and won the Ashes twice for my country And I'm Leon McKenzie I've experienced life as a Premier League footballer and a professional boxer In this series we're focusing on elite athletes and their transition from professional sport to civilian life We both enjoyed the highs and lows unique to professional sport, a vocation which can lead to adulation and riches beyond the means of the vast majority of people. However, we've also struggled with what followed when our respective careers came to an end, with the roar of the crowd becoming a fading memory and the adrenaline-fueled lifestyle was no more. Tonight on TalkSport, we speak with a double women's Super League title winner, World Cup bronze medalist and Olympian, the Chelsea and England greats, Claire Rafferty. We'll be joined by Claire in a moment, but before we are, can I just say, Leon, how much I'm looking forward to this chat with one of the stars of the Women's Super League. She made her mark in a fine Chelsea side and also with England at the World Cup. And I'm looking forward to hearing her story after retiring last year. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this interview. It's going to be fascinating to the point of what Claire has to share with us. And what stands out for me is the three major knee injuries she had going through the process of playing at top levels. Her story is fascinating and I believe that she's going to pass on some great knowledge and I cannot wait to hear her story properly and for you listeners to hear what Claire Rafferty has got to say. After the lights go out... Leon McKenzie and Steve Harmison in conversation with Claire Rafferty on Talk Sport. Claire, absolutely over the moon to have you in the studio today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Claire, it's just been over a year since you retired from football after playing for West Ham in the FA Cup final against Manchester City. When did you decide it was time to bring a chapter to finishing? You know what, in my head, even from an early age, I, I always thought, past the age of 30, I never really saw myself playing football and for reasons I don't really know why but I think because I had so many big injuries from a young age and the fact that at the time when I got into football it was never really a choice as a job I kind of stumbled into something that I was good at and then all of a sudden it became a full-on commitment and I think leaving Chelsea and going to West Ham I think in my eyes I was only ever going to do that for a year when I signed you know Matt Beer had open dialogue for the pretty much six months prior to, to me to me actually retiring and you know I'd go into the office and we'd discuss it I've known him I've known him a long long time he used to manage at Chelsea prior to Emma Hayes era and it was very much about what do you want to do make sure this is the best decision for you and it just felt like the right time also when someone runs past you 
<laughs> for that first time and you dropped that shoulder. They dropped the shoulder. I'm like, no. I'm like, no, you know what? I've, honestly, got, I've got to call it a day, I think. <laughs> Claire, honestly, I played, um, obviously I played in, in all the leagues. Yeah. But when I, I played non-league for a little yeah. while, just to kind of, you know, the love of the game yeah. and the passion that mm-hmm. you, you, sh- you want to sort of hang on to it. But honestly, I was playing non-league and I remember one centre-half whispering in my ear and he goes, Mackenzie, you're not all that. Oh, ouch. And you know when it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. And I think I must have been about 33, 34 yeah. at the time. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. this time. Because, <laughs> you know, when you, you know get what? that it's sort e- of It's a pride, isn't it? It's a pride and ego. It, it is. And but like when, when actually they're right and you're like, you know what? I was... And I still got it, but I can't just I can't move the same yeah, way. Yeah, I was very to. much uh, in and out of games yeah. around that sort of time. My body didn't move yeah. the same anymore, as you probably knew. <laughs> you don't yeah. you don't admit it though, do you? At the time, you just well, when someone's until... telling you about yourself, yeah. then... I didn't admit it, Steve. I didn't admit it. I was like, mate, yeah, you're probably going to be here all your career. Yeah, exactly. I played in all in English. Le- like, leave me alone. Like, you know what? You know I, what? I started biting. At the um, probably the whole of the season at West Ham, I I was. I felt myself being incredibly frustrated mm. with myself just for the fact that I was like, I'm sure I'm better than this. You know, when you have that expectation of yourself, I'd, I'd walk off the pitch and be quite upset just because yeah. I'd be like, what's going on? Like, why, why am I not living up to who I am or yeah. who I was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Cleb, the, the decision to play football must have been a, a relatively difficult one because, you know, you were a Loughborough educated going into sort of working in the banking sector and then all of a sudden there's this is it a dream is it something because the financial resources of football yeah. in female football and it is in male football is not it's a bit the same as what I had in cricket where first class cricket you earn a good living international cricket you earn a ridiculous living but in yeah in the job sector if you had a, a decent job you were probably on par with first class cricketers so to actually make the step to go football how tough was that from a mental point of view going forward and then finishing football when was the, the was it a, a mental decision to go you know what i've had enough of this i'm going to get me life back if anything yeah and and i think playing football as a full-time job was never a choice in my eyes, I'd never had the option growing up. I never, you know, woke up as a, as a child and went, I want to be a professional footballer because actually when I used to run out into the garden, I used to be Michael Owen or Steven Gerrard. I was never Kelly Smith or Rachel Yankee because I didn't see them. So I just used to love football. And I remember a stage when I got told, you need to choose going... Or actually, my, my commitment was, was being questioned. And I couldn't really get my head around it because I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, you pay me... <laughs> below minimum wage why am I going to give up something that pays me more for being there for two days a week than you do but at the same time I felt almost ungrateful because actually people would dream to be in this position mm. there was a strange balance for it and I remember being questioned a lot about my commitment to England one of the England managers would question do you want this are you going to be able to commit as, mu- as much because at that time we did go full-time and if I'm having to run off the pitch at 12 o'clock to get on the train going to the city from Cobham Am I recovering properly? Am I eating properly? Am I concentrating on what I'm doing? Uh, yeah, I thought it was, and I did. And I probably got away with it because of the fact that at the time the game wasn't where it is now. You can never do that now. And I, was just, I actually feel, feel like I was quite fortunate to be able to maintain both because it's allowed me to kind of step away in a way that probably others wouldn't be able to. Did you feel that was an easy excuse for people to throw at you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what football's like. Mm. Never From a some... commitment point of yeah. view, yeah. your heart's not in it. You, yeah. You, yeah. 
Karen Carney used to always say to me, never give someone a reason, never give someone a reason to drop you. And I remember thinking, well, I need to pay my, pay my bills though, so. It was an easy excuse, but actually I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by some incredibly strong leaders. So Hope Powell at the time, she was so influential in actual education. Mm. And when I went to Loughborough, she, she encouraged, you know, studies and, and would actually encourage us getting jobs and stuff like that. And Emma, Emma Hayes had been, was great. Mm. And as I said, I think the timing-wise, I didn't face too many issues with it, to be fair, in the end. I mean, I think that's fantastic because you've had, like, a, you know, the fundamentals of, of studying and, yep. and going down the university route to, obviously, work... Is it a Dutch bank? He's working. Deutsche Bank, yeah. So yeah, I worked there for, like, seven years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So... I used to walk into Deutsche Bank after coming back from a World Cup and people were like, where have you been? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I've just, just won a bronze medal. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's grounding and it's, it's humbling. Yeah. You know, you've just won a World yeah. Cup medal yeah. and then you're going into yeah. a, a normal sort mm-hmm. of work, which is which brings me to the, to the next question about there's an athlete life. Yeah. And, you know, everything's done for us. Everything's yeah. laid out for us. Mm-hmm. It's very privileged in, in, in a lot of ways. As it's ups and downs, but it is very privileged. To then someone that's on the outside in an a- average sort of nine to yeah. five job, you are, you're able to identify what it's like to be in a normal job and also yeah. playing top flight football. The problem we've got is within the football at the moment is I know that there's been many, many players who have finished their careers... And uh, one player, I think it was at Stevenage, who said, I don't even know what it's going to be like to have an interview for a job. You know what, job. that actually gives me like goosebumps because it's scary, isn't it? Do you see what it's I mean? It's scary. This People is, this, can't I'm even, so like, passionate about the same way you talk about it. You know, yeah. how, like the structure that is surrounded by footballers, the bubble, women's football work was never really like that, but because it's, it's professionalised and because, as you said, you, you go in, you get your breakfast, you get your accommodation paid for, these people don't know how to even pay the bills. So the life experience you get, in football is fantastic and it does give, bring you them attributes which are transferable into work environment. But if you can't actually apply that and mm. you don't know how to apply that, that is where the where the gap in that is. I was going to say that about the about what you were you just saying there, Claire. How was the the help from that? Because I know from personal experience, I used to I used to describe when I finished playing, it was like coming out of the supermarket with heavy shopping bags in my hands, not knowing where my car was for like yeah. six months. I had. You're looking around and you're thinking, well, for 18 years I've wore a tracksuit. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I miss wearing a tracksuit. Yeah. I've been told what to do. Choosing my outfit every day. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, well, up at Durham, it was, you get on the bus, you wear your tracksuit, you eat here, you play there. And for 18 years, I'm I'm doing that. And then I finished playing. And for six months, I've got my head in the clouds thinking, like I mentioned, you come out of the supermarket with heavy bags of shopping, not knowing where your car is, thinking I've got no money coming in now because I'm finished playing. I've got four kids and then all of a sudden them bags are getting heavier and heavier. And if you haven't got the right advice and you haven't got the right people around you, it can spiral. And the PC, yeah. the Cricket Association, is very, very good. I'm sure I'm sure you, you, you've advised. But what sort of level of advice did you yeah. get moving out of the game into the like social life into, you know or into normal life? Having actually prepared myself for, the moment, for that moment of retiring, thinking I've done everything I could do, have a job, have the experiences, still my bags are still heavy. I walked out of the shopping centre with, you know, 20 litres of water. That's how heavy it felt. And it's strange. And I think it was more so because actually I was like, oh, I still feel lost. I still feel a lack of identity. The facade and the, and the front you put on with football, that's gone. So who am I now, actually? Because growing up as quite an introvert, 
football was the way I was able to communicate and that kind of shield was removed. So the advice wise, I think I never probably asked at first because everyone assumed I'd be fine because I've done, I've had the job, I had everything. Right. Which was then an, a, an added kind of pressure on myself because when you're struggling with stuff like that and then people assume that you're fine. To be honest, I, I didn't really get a great deal of advice because mm. I didn't ask for it. But also no one knew that I needed it. Well, I think the point is there is that even though you didn't ask for it, yeah. especially when I look at your story with the three major ACL injuries, yeah. which is like massive from yeah. an early age, mm-hmm. for someone that goes through those type of injuries, with which I had done myself in my career with like, you know, eight, nine month, 10 month layouts, psychologically is really damaging. Yeah. Now, did you ever have anyone within your, your team to say like, are you all right? Like, it, uh, how, how are you? Like, because it's very lonely. Yeah. I saw you in an interview. I think you'd done something in um, uh, some film. Pre-World Cup thing, yeah. yeah. like a pre-World yeah. Cup thing. And uh, you, you mentioned um, football, it became exhausting. Yeah. So there's a, neg- there's a lot of negativity involved in football in my head. Right. So There's a lot of negative association right. to football, which sounds strange, but you, you know how it is, like... Steve, you'll know as well, like cricket-wise, there's, there's so many failures that people don't really see. They only really see, you know, the times that you... Well, I mean, they do see, but, like, you walk away and you've, you've won the bronze medal, you've won FA Cups, you've won whatever, but the, the damage of, as you're saying, the long-term injuries, the loneliness, going into the gym by yourself for the whole time, being told you're never going to be the same player. I guess support-wise, I've been incredibly fortunate to have have fantastic family, but even when I think back, it was it was... I guess England always, always had psychologists and, and Chelsea would always supply the option to, to... And you know what, at the time I was so... Um, it was only the third time which bothered me and I had to... I went, I went travelling. Yeah, that was go to, 2013, right? Yeah. And you jumped up for a header. Yeah. And when you came oh, down... Yeah, against Everton. So what was going through your mind then? Because when, oh. I, when I... It was towards the back end of my career when I sort of reached yeah. the 30, mm-hmm. 31 mark and I was struggling with knee yeah. problem anyway. I had like three operations on my knee and yeah. pretty much had one knee. Like mm-hmm. for the oh, yeah, sec- yeah, second <laughs> half of my career. You know, it's like yeah. training-wise exactly. and structure. But when I ruptured my Achilles, I knew that um, I don't difficult. think I'm going to get back from this. Yeah. And I know like when you landed... What was going through your mind? I knew straight away yeah. that I'd done it. And I thought, ah, oh, this isn't meant to be. Just stop. What are you doing? It's not worth it. I was just so feeling sorry for myself. I remember what, um, walking off the pitch with the uh, physio. Uh, he, he did the test, the old ACL test, and he yeah. just looked at me and I thought, oh. Is that not natural? It's a natural feeling that you do, you do feel sorry for yourself. You do want to go inside yourself yeah. rather than go outside yourself. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's who's always been quite quiet anyway, and not the best communicator, it was quite a natural thing for me to do that. I've done, I, and I think the habit of that is exactly where that probably has stemmed from, from a young age doing it at the age of 15, 16. Just suck it up, sort it out yourself. There's so many different kind of elements and, and pillars to, to the psychological effects it has on you. Sport, being successful, not being. There's, it's, just, it's just a constant roller coaster, isn't it? Since retiring... Um, you've struggled with one aspect. Uh, you talk about identity. Having been a professional footballer for all your adult life, do you feel lost without having that title, pro footballer, next to your name? Yeah, you know what? And I think the hardest thing is when, when people go, oh, ex-footballer. You've lost that identity, but then you become the ex, and ex mm. is a negative connotation. In, well, I think I've inter- I was interpreting it like that. And it's a difficult one. So lost, yes. 
I didn't really, really realise I was going to feel that lost. I didn't realise, actually, I'm, I, I think I was trying to play down how important football was in my life because I knew it was going to end. So almost preparing myself, uh, preparing myself in the long run, having, you know, the different careers and investing education-wise, I was naive to think that I would feel that loss and I think that's why it actually probably hit me harder. You made a statement about not being able to do what you really love, which stood out for me because when I was sort of not being able to control me wanting to play football yeah. and wanting to play at the highest level, my mind started breaking down. Mm -hmm. So when did you know like it was like uh, I'm really struggling to hold on to this? And I really want to keep playing, yeah. but you know it's coming. What did your mind do? And where did... You, I mean, I suffer from depression for a number of years, yeah. more so towards the back end of my career. But I was quite late being vocal about yeah. it. Did you have any signs? You know what? When I look back now, I think the, the majority of the last season at West Ham, I, I was quite low and didn't even really realise myself. And that probably comes down to the fact that I didn't enjoy playing football because every time I stepped onto the pitch, one, I was in pain for, with one reason or the other, hamstring, Achilles, calf. Two, I wasn't the player that I used to be. And three, I was like, I, I left my club as well. So there was an element of almost heartbreak or like a leaving Chelsea was the end in my eyes. And I think I wanted to continue and go back to controlling situations. I had a fantastic year at West Ham and, Ending, ending my career in the FA Cup final with them was incredible. But the way I had to battle to be on that pitch because of, like, fitness-wise, the amount of painkillers I was taking in the end to even get on the pitch, that's when you go, you know what, it's not, just stop, it's not worth it. How was the, yeah, how was your support network, as in the people around you? Because, you know, a lot of professional sports men and women will leave their profession um, because that's all they've had, but... Did you feel a little bit fortunate that you had a support network that you worked with from a banking sector and yeah. in that side or as well as the football side? So it was easy just to push one aside and I've still got my friends from there. Or was it hard to detach and, and reinvent uh, Claire Rafferty? Yeah, it was, it was very hard to reinvent myself almost. And I think bank-wise, so I actually retired and, and quit Deutsche Bank in like the same week. Um, and then I went on to, to work at Chelsea. Five days later? Yeah. So you retired and then five days yes. later was in I, at Chelsea? Yeah, I didn't give myself any, any time. That's interesting. Yeah, which I should have done. I really regret that. That's, that, really, that's, really where, regret that's that. what I wanted to speak yeah. to you about because to do that, that's kind yeah. of taking on... Maybe you, you've done that in the respect of, you know, like... I, couldn't, it, I didn't want to stop and right, think about it. Right, that's, so that's, that's what, what I mean. Or you're holding on to football. Yeah, and you know, like, I think friendship-wise, you talk about support group, like, I, I, I miss going into training and having the banter with friends, being mm. in a team that I've been at for so long. I've had really good friends there. Mm. And, it's, you know, it's really difficult. I'm at Chelsea, but I don't see anyone. I'm on the business side of it, and I'm grateful for that because I going in, you know, Emma would always say, come in when you want, because, like, you know, she's very aware of how difficult that is. And I'd be like, I, I don't want to. I can't go and sit in the training ground. Because it hurts almost. It's strange. It's a strange feeling. But yeah, I guess like work-wise, work, Deutsche Bank were incredible with me. But I felt like I didn't fit in there because I didn't really enjoy it that much. It wasn't mm. really who I was. And I, and I knew I wasn't going to do that forever as well. So I just got rid of everything at, at once. 
do you think you more I guess when you went to university yeah. and you go through that is that investment banking yeah. kind of process yeah I did yeah. an economics degree yeah so like four years yeah so did you think that provided stability yeah I had that to fall back on yeah this is why I encourage all the girls now please do some online courses or do something that's going to give you even in your own head because you know what we could anyone can go and get a degree it doesn't mean you're guaranteed anything but it's something to make it made me feel better knowing that if I get one more ACL, and I think I, I'm grateful for the injuries because it allowed me to focus and, and prioritise that. So something that actually was quite negative has allowed me to be able to have an income now. Mm. So does there's so many, yeah, there's so many back and forths that like how I feel about things. Claire, does it make you want to reach out to players yeah. in the women's game <clears> when <throat> you can see either somebody's got injured or somebody's had some troubled time or you can possibly, or you hear the whisper that, you know, somebody's struggling mentally? Um, from whatever, anxiety, depression or anything like that, does it make you want to reach out and go, do you know what, here's my number, give me a ring and we can go for a coffee? Yeah, um, this is something that I'm actually trying to put in place. Just just kind of almost like a mentorship opportunity for... for or, <laughs> I don't want to sit there and preach, preach to these players because if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to hear it. But just saying to them, and, I, and I've said to a player that I've known a long, long time who's 33 now, can continue playing, I've just said make sure that Think about the decision, because I tell you what, it's not easy. Make sure you think about it. When you, if you have a choice, and in fact you have a choice, make sure you really, 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 really want to do that. You want to retire because it's not all rosy. It's a long time yeah. retired, basically. Because listen, going to the pub on a Saturday is not all it cracks up to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? I don't it's know. Right. <laughs> I'll take that back. No. <laughs> so the reason why I am calling you the 15-year-old prodigy <laughs> because I didn't know that at 15 years old you got called up for the under-19 England side. Yeah, that's massive. You can pick yourself up with that <laughs> one because you're 15 years old and you, yeah. you're paying four years ahead of your time. You know what? what like, was it like I, doing that? Um, yeah, I hate being away from home. Oh wow! <laughs> Me and you both. I couldn't. You know what? I, I, I loved it, terrible. but I, I was such a um, such a shy kid that mm. I never really took any of it on board. I never really. I was playing football, and that's all I wanted to do. Like, I, I, at, to be fair, I think that was the first time, and I was grateful for Mo Marley, who who was almost like a a mum figure for in the 19s and when you speak to the kids now they they all speak say the same about her there's no coincidence that the majority of England players have been kind of nurtured through her mm. she allowed you to fail but was the harshest person ever but made it okay to do that so when I think back to that that 15 years old being very shy I was someone who who you wouldn't notice if you walked in the room so the pressure that suddenly came from actually being, you know, meant the reputation or the the potential that I had. Mm. I think from that kind of age, that's when I started feeling like I'd be sitting in the I'll, I'll be sitting in the car on the way to a game, and I'll be like a nervous wreck. See, it's or, amazing. It's amazing yeah. to be called you know, four yeah. years ahead of your time. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, is that you've actually put more pressure on yourself yeah. because of the being away from home, mm -hmm. Steve. You know, when you was away from yeah. home, you, that you found that quite hard, right? I was terrible. It's horrible. Isn't it? I was. I struggled big time when I was younger, coming through the homesickness tag with me. You were talking about earlier about if you didn't perform and the human element, yeah. you would get some stick off the media saying, "Well, he doesn't like being away from home." Um, mine turned into it turned heavily into anxiety and depression. Yeah. Uh, I went away from a, an, as a 19-year-old 
in some of the away, I think 2007, I think I stayed in 300, 300 nights in a hotel bed out of 365. So it shows you that how much <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I used the homesickness tag as a little bit of a, a little bit of a crutch, which was quite good because yeah. I was quite happy. People saying. I was homesick because under underlining that, I knew there was a, an underlying problem. I had clinical depression. Yeah. Uh, I suffered from anxiety, and a lot of that was going away from home. Yeah. But the minute I said I've got this, is the minute I finished playing cricket because people will not pick me anymore. Yeah. There's a there's a stigma. There was a tag to it at that time. We're talking about early 2000s, mid 2000s. Yeah. It's a bit different now. Did you ever feel as you were getting older that? from that early age, you're struggling to be away from home, did catch up with you and you did feel sort of depressed yeah. and did have this the, these thoughts going through your mind. You know what? The thought even now of going to a hotel makes me feel a certain way. It's so weird. Like going to away games, I used to hate it. Yeah, I did. Like I, hated, I, I, I hated it hated so much. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, And I think it is the correlation between the, the pressure. Yeah, f- feeling very, very low by yourself when you actually... I'm not allowed to feel like that because it is a, looks like weakness and you can't say it to anyone else because everyone else looks fine, but they're probably thinking the same thing. It is the loneliness. And you know what I, I found? I got to a stage where I was able to just switch off and become very numb to emotions because that's the only way I could deal with it. Like being able to teach or tell yourself that you don't miss someone or you don't miss your family, you don't miss being home. Like that coldness, the lack of emotions that I was able to show was just strange. So you're, you're, you've trained your yeah. mind in, in yeah. quite a lot of ways, really, because mm-hmm. at 15 to, years old... because I couldn't... Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to cope. Yeah. At 15 years old, to get an ACL yeah. injury at that age yeah. is quite hard to deal mm-hmm. with anyway. And you've obviously got another yeah. two later on in your career. You're pretty strong in the respect of what your mind's doing, but did you ever, at that point, in, those, in that process, yeah. feel like, oh, my gosh, like depression like anxiety because yeah. i'll be honest with you when i done mine at 21 years old you know what it's like when you have like a major injury mm-hmm. like that and i had it i was at crystal palace and i remember uh, snapping my cartilage in half i was just like oh my gosh and they were telling me like leon you might not play again yeah that- when i heard those words not only did i not yeah. like think that like, i might not play again i was like am i ever going to be the same yeah. again so I think depression really, although I probably had fringes of it yeah. as a child, I think I started realising that actually I'm starting to suffer a little yeah. bit here, but I couldn't say anything. Like, where was you yeah. in your... So I never allowed myself to accept feeling like that when actually I've always been an incredibly sensitive person. But it, it just goes back to from the age of 15, doing that first injury, every single opportunity I got, I would then get a massive injury. Like the amount of England caps and the amount of, of times I was meant to be, you know, that left back position for England was mine. And it never truly, truly, truly was because of the injuries. That was a struggle. And then you get, you know, after the third one, you're injury prone. Oh, gosh, I've had that, that tag when you get that You're injury tag, prone. And then I, I, would, I would get, you're uptight, that's why you get injured. And I'm uptight because actually I'm, I was anxious and I couldn't, you know, I didn't know how to deal with with it basically and that, that then got associated to negative connotations which is injuries Claire did you feel as though that the when you had to keep coming back and you fought that tag but you had to keep coming back from a fitness element do you think that helped you as not just from a physicality point of view in your career but also 
a mentality point of view that you you, you had to be at tip top fitness to keep your levels high and uh, you've always said yeah. that your mentality is always better when you're as, as fit as you possibly can so having to keep coming back from fitness keep coming back from anxiety keep coming back from um overcoming each hurdle every time you did like the acl do you think that helped you in a, you know a what? mental point yeah. of view i was always the fittest and the fastest and i would always work the hardest and i knew from a very young, young age that you can control what you can control and and those are them elements I would go to the gym by myself, you know, twice, a, almost twice a day sometimes, just because I didn't want anyone else to be right when they say you're not going to be the same player you were before. You might not come back from it. From the age of six, I will never forget when, when I was 17, an England coach telling me that I'm never going to make it to senior level because of my injuries. Only had one ACL. Sounds weird. Only had one at the time. Three later on, and I went to a World Cup. And I actually, after the third one, I told Chelsea I'm stopping playing football, packed my bag. Where did you go, by the way? Because that's a brilliant idea, (laughs) (laughs) travelling-wise. Oh, do you know what? Let me just go and travel. (laughs) So I went, um, I travelled around America. My uh, sister takes the mickey because she says, you didn't really go travelling, did you? You just just packed the bag and you tried to to look like you did. I was like, no, I went by myself. And every single time I I would get injured or something goes wrong, I would always go away by myself. Because you know what? When I was away, I went, oh, I'm not done with this. I've got more still to give. So without doing that and stepping away and missing it, I remember the Euros were on at the time, 2013. Didn't watch a second of it because I couldn't because I should have been there. But I had a moment. I was like, you know what? No, I'm not done here. I've got more. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. After the lights go out, Leon McKenzie and Steve Harmison in conversation with Claire Rafferty on Talk Sport. Tonight we're in a conversation with the former Chelsea, West Ham and England left-back Claire Rafferty. I'm really... You know uh, what? This is like therapy, this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny you say that because I've, I've spoken for a number of years yeah. now, especially after I retired. Yeah. And speaking is, is honestly the best therapy. And when you're sort of communicating with, with fellow athletes mm. and you, you, you've got things in, you know, in, kind of in the same sort of process and you've been through the same things... I think it does a world of yeah. good. That's one of the passions of reasons behind doing this show was to to see how things are truly. Yeah, but that's it's it. True, all, it is. It's it? not all glamorous. People is it? don't talk mm. because you know in sport there's there's a 
it's almost like it is weakness, isn't it? If you if you show any kind of you know, if I know things are changing, but still, there's a reluctance, isn't there, to actually be honest about how you feel, and and it's easier to do it when you when you step away because at the time you you're worried that you might get you know dropped or someone might use it against you or you know it, it, the neg- negativity that you feel already you're scared that someone's going to use it against you which is which is terrifying isn't it and that's uh, we talked about a bit earlier about the human element of a sportsman and sportswomen who have had difficulties behind the scenes in describing mental health and talking about it we have to push to people that are listening that it's not a weakness it's it's an illness the more people talk to each other and describe it and get it out there, I think the better the wider general public will understand that these sports people that we see on TV that royally entertain us and have very, very good skills and talent, they have problems as yeah. well. And they're but not it's a robots. show, isn't it? It's a show and an act. And, and when you walk off the pitch, you, know, you step back into your normal life. And then when you're on it as well, like you, you know, I think I was actually quite grateful for the fact that women's football wasn't televised a lot when I was playing and stuff because I, I don't know if I would have been able to actually deal with maybe failures in the, in the spotlight saying that at the same time I absolutely love playing in World Cups in front of that many people so this mm. but that's because you know they went well I mean how different is the the women's game to to the men's game yeah. of, of today I mean you've like you said it's not as highlighted yeah. as such where where do you stand with it all I think obviously the uh, the landscape of women's football has totally changed. It's fully professionalised now, and yes, the exposure is getting there. There's an investment, the content's improving. There still needs to be a lot, you know, a lot more investment. It's going back to the role that I do at the, at the moment. Brands and commercial-wise, we we need to keep building the infrastructure. We need people telling the stories. We need the narrative that's around it because you know these these women are now getting the same opportunities and going back to opportunities I mean from the age of four when you know one of the under, under four boys Chelsea team are getting kit and we don't get any kit when they get in the contact hours they do from that young age to actually develop their skills and we don't how can you expect me to be as good as someone who's had that exposure from a young age that's what's changing now the quality is improving the standard the investment in the player you know the, you know your sleep patterns your, your periods there's so much detail that we never used to have. Even going back to S&C coaches, Chelsea have always obviously been well supported, but I know other teams you know, back in the day didn't even have S&C coaches and, and you know, yeah. didn't, didn't have any individual programmes. And you know, how, how is that going to be good to watch when the players are not at their best or not able to be at the best? So I think there's, that's where when I look at the game now, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the generations coming through because it's going to be, it's going to be fun Advanced. to watch. And that's what we want. We watch football because it's fun to watch. We shouldn't compare it to men because it's different. I'm never going to win a header against you, am I, Leon? That's, that's just that's a good line. Well, listen, I've seen you, I've seen you pop oh, up okay. at the back post and, and score a blinding header. What game was that? Uh, it was a good header. Sun, um, Notts County, I think it was against. Okay, yeah, it was, there we it was go. a big I remember header. That. I was pretty My bet Carly, Carly Telford was in goal. She's like a really good friend of mine. I remember yeah. thinking... So, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but, but Claire, you mentioned that the, the game, and you're right when you say it shouldn't be compared to the men's game. But in the last sort of five years, the difference between the women's game to where it was to where it is now, for what you've just mentioned, has come in is is astronomical. You know, where do you see where do you see in ten years' time with the same investment, hopefully the same people you know put yeah. money into it to get it better um you're expecting a lot more crowds to come and watch and you know girls what? to start playing i want women's football to be sustainable at the moment it makes a loss because the people are coming into the ground is not enough to support people aren't buying the merchandise people aren't 
following their team. There's a, there's a slight lack of um, identity to some of the women's teams. But that is changing. The crowds are growing. You know, Chelsea sells out, sells out Kings Meadow on a, on a you know, game-by-game basis. That would be unheard of before. But it may be money-wise. Yeah. The, the, the money's got to start going into the right areas. Yeah. More televi- you know what? <laughs> you know, more televised Tele- Television, you know, t- selling the TV rights. Yeah. Commercialising the game. That's like working at Chelsea. That's, that's kind of one of my aims. Let's value these women. And in valuing them, we're going to put a price on them that reflects that value. Previously, that hasn't happened. It's been undervalued. So if something's undervalued, well, who's going to watch something or invest in something that's, that's not actually getting respected in the first place? So sustainability, is in, that's all I, I want for women's football. Do you think you had an advantage being with your credentials yeah. and you know, your job? Do you think that gave you an advantage over other footballers? Um, now, yes, because I'm able to... The exposure I got, you know, working in, in an investment bank was incredible. The kind of business acumen, the, you know, the ability to write emails and, and, you know, hold meetings and do presentations. I got exposed to that from a young age. So, yes, going back to what we actually started talking about, mm. was it also used against me? Yes, because of... Football terms. Yes, mean. football terms. Yeah, so you're kind of like in the middle, yeah. trying to pay your bills. And Always do in the middle. Reality-wise, yeah. reality you, you've got to pay your bills and you've got to... Reality-wise, it's, it's, it's been... A blessing because I was I'm able to to earn a living and I didn't have to worry about not being able to actually match my my living. Good for you, smart. It's smart. And as, as well as doing the Chelsea stuff now, you you know we often see you on BT, Sky, Talk Sport, BBC. You're you're everywhere <laughs> I mean, now. When Steve, it comes to... this is this is my point again. <laughs> She's... I'm busy. I'm tired. Claire, Claire's sitting there saying, "You listen, uh, you know I'm very shy. I was very shy." She's doing. Yeah, Leon, you know how it is. It's a, it's a, it's a facade. Like I, go, I get exhausted from doing BT, and I think it's a learnt skill. And what I actually love about doing stuff like that is, after I'm finished, I feel the buzz that I did when I was playing. So I actually don't like doing it, but I know actually after it replicates that to an extent when you stop playing football as well. Do you think that helps though as well? It helps you as a as an individual. Do you yeah. feel as though you steer in the game as such? Yeah, so this is a battle. I, I have a battle. And that's, that, the word you said, relevant there, that is the, the, that is the biggest issue I've had in my head. I almost don't want to be in the game because it, it brings Imagine. a bit of negativity in, in my thought process. But then at the same time, remaining relevant. I literally hate the word relevant because it's, it hurts when I say that because it sounds like clickbait. It's like you're using I feel like it's, you're using yourself. I think relevance, yes. In order to actually get better at doing things, you need to obviously do, you know, do the punditry and stuff. But the relevance, I literally go back and forth, do I actually want to be relevant? I literally go back and forth, do I actually want to be relevant? It's, it's, it's a strange, I haven't really figured that one out yet. Claire, we've spoke about a wide range of, of things, lost identity, depression, you know, how ill-prepared footballers are of life sort of after the game. But how is life for you today? And do you feel in a more positive frame of mind yeah, and you know what? I think actually um, the process of this year, I probably kept myself so busy that I didn't really want to stop and think about how I felt. So it's only in the last couple of months that I've accepted how I've, how I've really felt. I've taken the time to stop and stop keeping myself busy, stop you know taking on too much, stop almost not doing things to my best ability just to be busy. Right, so you've identified yep. maybe slowing down. Yeah, slowing to make down. The process in, and just you know, going, you know what? Accept how you feel. Yeah. Understand it and don't be embarrassed to talk about it and actually talk in the first place because I, I, I 
didn't really talk to anyone about anything. So talking about it has been the most powerful thing. You, you said it before, like it's, it's, it's the easiest thing you can do. It sounds the easiest thing you can mm. do, but it took me probably a, a good eight months to do so. Despite your injuries, you've achieved a lot in football. Two Women's Super League winners' medals, but I'd admire two playoff winners' medals. <laughs> you won the FA Cup, a bronze medal with England at the 2015 World Cup. You also represented Great Britain at the 2012 Olympics. That was great, that. That's amazing. Great experience. Do you feel you could have won more due to the injury yeah, situation? I do. I have a lot of frustrations because of injuries. And I try and um, t- turn it all into a positive and, and, you know, think about how it's, it's benefited me now for, you know, job stuff and being able to focus on that more. But deep down, even being honest, yeah, when I start thinking about it, I get really frustrated and... And I almost go back into the mindset that I did after the third one where I go, oh, it wasn't meant to be. So could I have controlled it? No, I, I was diligent in my training. Yeah. Could you have done any more? I don't think so. I agree. I, and, I, I, and it is what it is. Like, it, it sounds... I totally agree with yeah. you on that. I mean, for me, you know, when I listen to you, it's like listening to myself <laughs> at times because... I don't think I really showed my full, true yeah. potential. Yeah, I feel the same. I trained yeah. so hard. If you see the way players, very yeah. explosive and very, you know, worked so yeah. hard even to get to to where I got to. But I guess I kind of left the game tired. Yeah, tired. I drained of just constantly it is, it's falling, tiring. getting back up, falling, getting back up, trying. You know, it got to a point where I'm walking on the pitch just praying, praying. that I don't want to yeah. get injured today. Same. It's not about, yeah. oh, I've got to score today, mm. I've got to, you know, yeah. play well. I was just like, please don't get injured. So you know your, your mind, the dynamics <laughs> yeah. of everything then you're in your head that. already, like, I w- I'd walk onto a pitch so uptight and anxious because I was worried about getting injured. Yeah. I was worried, actually, had I even recovered from the injury before that I'm on the pitch for. I remember one last season at Chelsea, tearing the hamstring off my bone. And I just remember thinking, I was so anxious coming onto the pitch because I was worried I was going to get injured. That I got injured, and I, like I know that if I probably was was a little bit more aware of how I felt and a little bit more accepting of why I felt like that, I might not have, you know, had that muscles there. I did that, tore the the hamstring off the bone, and I left the game bitter. If anything, I just felt bitter. There is a slight bitterness. Yeah, yeah. a little bitterness, and it was something which it took me three or four years to to get over and really sort of not reinvent myself, but be at, at one with where I was now. And I think that is something that is very, very difficult when it comes. And I I look at myself now and think I've got a role to play with the organisation at helping people, not telling them what to do, but just listening to what their story is and just little pointers towards my story. And we've me and Leon have talked about it quite a bit in a way, which is when you talk to people, you get a lot about yourself in that person because, you, well, that was me, that was me, yeah. that was me. And it wasn't until later on that I felt... You know, I felt comfortable that I'd left the game and left my career and I'd moved my life forward. Yeah. Are you at a point there now where you feel as though the game's gone and I'm, I am Claire Rafferty working in the, in, in the private life in which is, and I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing? You know what? Not yet. Mm. I'm not at that stage yet. I'm, I'm better now, but I'm still not at the stage. And I think still being associated to, to Chelsea still brings that a little bit because... Insecurity. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Of, there's, there's something. Or vulnerability. Is it, is, I think it's that vulnerability a little bit. Mm. But when I speak to someone, I'm like, I don't have anything to do with the football, though. Mm. It's like I have to prove to everyone else that I don't actually, you know, I work in, in the commercial team. I don't yeah. actually have anything to do with the football. 
Mm. And so I try and distance myself from it. And I think, as you said, it's because of that. It's a journey to do so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not at the stage yet, but I'm better than, than where I was. Do you feel that it helps you do your job? Yeah, because it allows me to be myself. Yeah. Being the footballer helps me as well because actually you when I get... when I talk about the game and when I and you know when I'm selling Chelsea Football Club of course it helps me but actually then going I'm myself when I'm doing this so I'm not Claire Afty the footballer mm. that it that it, that's quite powerful did you ever have a point in your career where you just had that kind of self-destructive yeah. nature yeah. where, you, you know what, you, you know, you might be drinking a little bit more. You know what, yeah. There's an addictive nature that yeah. comes in it's, with it's this reckless, process. It's a recklessness, yeah. uh, self-destructive. Yeah. Right, yeah. Almost doing it on purpose, making the wrong decisions. And I think the, the attributes as a, as a sports person, you do have addictive personality. There's a level of just wanting the control from things as well. So mm. I think... Yeah, I mean, I probably spent the first half of the year just constantly going out with, with my new friends, which wasn't always involved in drinking, but it was always not going home or always trying to not go home because then as soon as I got home, I'm sitting there, I'm having to think about who am I? Mm. What am I doing? So, Claire, I'm hearing... Oh, no. I'm hearing... <laughs> what have you heard? <laughs> I'm hearing that you've got ambition to become part of the board. Yes. That's a big That's a big deal. Yeah, you know what, I, I, I think... We talk a lot about actually influencing change. Right. And I've always, from a young age, my application to go to Loughborough, I said I want to be owning a football club. And in my eyes, I didn't know what that meant. But obviously not owning one. But I think being on the board, now when I, when I think about what that is. So I sit on the board at uh, non-exec for Lewis, which is, yeah. which is an incredible uh, experience. But I think ultimately I want to be able to be a decision maker. I want to try and input what I've learned. From from the failures, I think I have a lot to give to football. And the only way you can do that for me is probably top down. You know, going to my last uh, question to, to, to really close this, what does the future hold for Claire Rafferty? Where you know, do you see yourself in the next five years? Um, I want to help people who have felt and feel how I felt and still feel. So in doing that, it would be using the platform that I have to do that. I, I, I would love to go into clubs and talk to, to talk to some of these girls. I'd love to give it a bit of career advice or mm. try and use, you know, the fact that I work in football still, the fact that I, I'm on a board of something, the fact that I can actually influence the ability for these clubs to, to put structures around to help this. That's my ambition. And how so. are you doing today? I'm, I'm better. Yeah? Better than yesterday. That's good. But that's the main thing. This is what I always say. Yeah, Steve. This is this is this is why we do what we do because good days, bad days. I've always said it. You know, some days I'll be honest with you. Some days are like I'm like, oh man, I'm not. It's not good. It's not a good day. But it's what we do trying to move forward. I think when you continually try, no matter what you're doing, when you continually try in life, you you never fail. So and you're very much. A trial. Trial. So, got, got to give it a go, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Claire, honestly, it's been amazing having you on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been great to talk, Steve. Thank you so much. Well. Brilliant, Claire. I hope people that are listening will relate to some of the issues and I still believe there's there's more for you in the game in yep. such of an educating and helping young people because I think when people have gone through experiences like me, Leon and yep. yourself have it can only be a positive outlook for young people. So thanks very much for coming on. Thank and you it's for been having me. Absolute pleasure to, to listen to your story. 
Thank you so much. We're going to get a picture now. Here we go. Without the sunglasses. Oh, <laughs> I've got no makeup on. <laughs> The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bingbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.